his father, well, before him, his father was president, right? And so Omar Bongo, right? He had 70 bank accounts, 39 apartments, two Ferraris, six Mercedes Benzes, three Porsches, a Bugatti in France. He ruled for 42 years, bro. Like that's not, that, that's not insane. back to episode nine. I am your gracious host, Amiki Koma. I am a Congolese here with the man that does it all, Luden, Puerto Rican, Dominican. We have a very, very, very special guest for a very special episode. <laughs> the fan favorite from our first season. Was it first episode too, right? Was it the first episode? Yeah, you know, I think anybody that's actually been listening to this for that long has some way, shape, or form asked me to bring him back. And he is back. He's gotten compliments as like, oh, he has a great voice. <laughs> he has a great insight. You know what I mean? But yeah, Mr. Muhammad is back with us today, Senegalese. Uh, so welcome, Muhammad. Welcome back. Thank you guys for having me. Yeah, it's been a long time. But um, today we kind of decided to take a little bit of break from doing our typical episodes on East African countries to focus a little bit more on what has been recently happening in, uh, in West Africa and now uh, Central Africa as well. There's recently been a couple of coups that's happened. So that is what we're going to focus on today. Uh, just a special episode to kind of just get everybody up to date. But yeah, make sure you guys checked out our last episode on Mauritius. Very educational. Make sure you guys gave it five stars, nothing less. You guys know the rest. Continue with our tradition with a quick quiz before we hop into the topic. <laughs> quiz of today should be fairly straightforward. So Luden and Mo. Which country on the continent borders nine other countries? Mm, give me a second to think. <laughs> nah, this is easy, straightforward. No cheating. I'm not cheating. No cheating. I'm, I'm trying to look. I can't look at. I can't look at nah, the, uh, the, uh, no, the map. Uh, no, bro, that's completely cheating. What? Looking at the U at, at the global map, bro. You All right, fine. Isn't I didn't it? look. Bro, it's just a guess. Which which country on the continent? Uh, I like how Mo has been quiet all this time. Mo, but yeah, you Mo, Mo is cheating, but that's okay. <laughs> uh, Mo isn't saying anything because Mo doesn't know. <laughs> but Mo um, can guess where where this is going. <laughs> I'm thinking like somewhere like in Central Africa, but I'm like trying to remember the countries at the top of my head. Mo, can you guess? And then Luda is gonna guess. <laughs> So we could move forward. Um, uh, Niger. Okay. Mo guesses Niger. Uh, Guinea. I don't know. <laughs> you say uh, Guinea? Yeah. Okay. So Luna said Guinea. And Mo said Niger. Uh, you guys are both wrong. It's Congo. <laughs> See, I was going to go with Congo. 
but my problem was i remember you and i had a conversation and i think i said that either congo was i thought that it was in west africa versus central africa or vice versa and ever since that conversation i've always messed it up now yeah yes correct answer is congo super you know what's crazy Mm. I, i wasn't gonna choose congo but for Luden, I was assuming he was going to say Congo. That's time. what I, that's I what was going to say Congo. Yeah, that's what I thought he was going to. I said, I said it's super straightforward. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so with that, we can hop in, into today's topic, which is centered around some successful coups that happened so far, some pending, and some still trying to be uh, fought. But yeah, so I'll uh, give a quick rundown on the on the countries uh, up to date that have been involved in coups so far, dating back to like a, about three years ago now. Um, so we start August of 2020, Mali, April of 2021, Chad, September of 2021, uh, Guinea, yeah. January of 22, Burkina Faso, July of 23. Niger, and then August of uh, 2023 was Gabon. That one is still pending to see. They shut down the power, shut down the internet over there. So still trying to see how that kind of shapes out. But yeah, so kind of opening it up first, have you guys been aware of like what has been going on recently in, um, in West Africa with where they've named it um i think it's like the cool belt of africa something like that i've been quite aware of it especially since i'm from west africa um Mm -hmm. i have family members that send me info um things of that nature but uh just to add to what you just said i wouldn't say like niger's cool is as successful as it can be because french like the french um French government is not removing the, the the ambassador from the country. Like the Niger's government told them to remove the uh, the ambassador, and they refused. They told them they don't consider their the coup government as legit, so they're gonna keep the guy over there. So they they trying to play games. I would assume they trying to use that guy as a martyr in some way in order to find a way to get back in there and slaughter people and justify, you know, the usual European stuff. Um, so I wouldn't say that one is successful because of just that one factor. Personally, I have not. Ironically enough, I have detached myself from uh, a lot of news outlets and stuff. So I need to reintegrate myself into that, but no. Okay, so I think I think that brings up a question for you and I think for probably many people who have not who do not know that this is going on or have not been aware um so when you hear something like that uh I guess what are your thoughts like how you feel and answer a question with a question if you answer my question afterwards yes (laughs) (laughs) um I was gonna ask because you know I, I know that a vast majority of our listeners are, you know, of African descent or are African. Um, but I do know there is a portion that is not. And so I was curious to I, I was curious to ask if you think that either you or Mo 
can describe or can essentially speak on like why this is important. Um, I mean, you know, obviously some people are going to, some people are going to know right off the bat. Um, but I think to show the importance of it, um, because it is something that it has been like very prominent in terms of like the French and very other, very other power hungry countries slash continents that have been wanting to not abuse their power, but, uh, but impose their power. Okay. I think we can answer that following your, your answer, right? Your, your thoughts. <laughs> I'm um, going to answer. <laughs> all right. So when, when you hear that, like, what was your initial, like, what is your initial thoughts? So like, you know, how do you feel? I mean, first and foremost, I think we've gotten past like the 1800s, 1900s, where they shouldn't be external countries within a country imposing powers and regulations and stuff like that. Not only that, but we know why, we know for many reasons why many countries have been candied eyed or that's not, or that's not the, that's not, that's not the slogan or that's not the, the saying. Can't remember the saying, but something along the lines of, you know, eyeing down uh, Africa and a lot of his stuff. And so this is just hearing that is just a good step in the right direction where it's just like kind of claiming, first and foremost, your own land and going about it your own way, you know, and removing a lot of systemic oppression, uh, a lot of other things that we can talk about as we go on that we might mention, um, but it helps with you kind of stabilizing your own two feet and your own your own body to kind of stand on your own and to be able to do what you need to do versus, you know, being, I don't want, I want, I want to be very loose when I use the word control because um, it can be interpreted in many different ways with many different people. Um, but kind of along the nature of saying control to the aspect that, you know, from a financial perspective, from a uh, from an agricultural perspective, you know, from what we talked about from all these different episodes and stuff like that. So that would kind of be my thing. Hopefully that answers it. I mean, I think I followed. I think it made sense to me. Um, so I, I think to start off answering your question, the importance of the coups, right? Was that, that was your question, right? I think for me personally, I think the importance of this is um is seeing that, you know, Africa starting to wake up. You know what I mean? I think everybody, or not everybody, the the you know, these what is it, five, six countries, you know what I'm saying? These leaders that have decided to take back ownership of their country have realized what, you know, kind of what we've always been talking about, right? Like the people that were in power, they just abused the country, right? And you know, they, they're literally just giving all mineral and resources to the French or to the Americans, you know, to the Chinese, you know, to the British, to the Canadians, et cetera. And I think the importance right now is that, you know, we're showing them that we don't need them in the long run, right? And I think that's very, very important 
to show that, you know, like you said, you can stand on your own two feet, right? Without this extra nonsense, right? Because you look at um, Burkina Faso, right? Where they, they said they didn't want the aid, right? You know what I mean? They denied the aid, right? And they're still doing good, right? Because now they're the one giving aid to Niger, right? Like, so obviously all these extra stuff that, you know, quote unquote, that they were doing in Africa was just, you know, I don't think it was necessary, right? We talked, we talk about like these organizations over and over, right? That are in there, you know, we have all these guests that live in these countries and they're telling us the same thing that like, you know, all these foreign aids, et cetera, like oh, they're not needed, right? Like, because they're just using the people, right? For whatever it is that they're doing, right? So I think, you know, people are finally hearing the call and um, I don't want to misquote Kwame Nkrumah, but uh, this is something that he was kind of alluding to, right? Like, yes, Africa, Africa kind of, it was kind of birthed in coups, right? And there's going to be a lot of coups until, you know, the day that Africa decides to wake up, right? And that's kind of like, as the day the world is going to be on watch, right? And I feel like we're getting there, right? And I think it's going to be a beautiful thing, you know what I mean? To to actually see, um, I'll say, <laughs> I'll say the lower half of Africa, because <laughs> I don't really know what's going on up top, but uh, yeah, I think the lower half uh, of Africa, sub-Saharan Africa, I think it's going to be, you know, it's going to be good to see. And actually, it, there's actually one more thing that I want to mention real quick about Gabon's uh, president, right? So his father, well, before him, his father was president, right? And so Omar Bongo, right? He had 70 bank accounts, 39 apartments, two Ferraris, six Mercedes-Benzes, three Porsches, a Bugatti in France. He ruled for 42 years, bro. Like, that's not, that, that's not insane. So he ruled from 1967 to 2009. And then his son Ali took over from 2009 until now. I think that's crazy. Right, like just one family ruling like that, right? So you think about if his dad has had that, right, from 1967 to now, just imagine what he has, right? Like, and it's just stuff like that that is like, I don't understand how anybody could look at the situation and be like, oh no, it shouldn't be a coup, that is wrong. You know what I mean? Like, because like you said, I do not believe that all these Western countries should be controlling anything that's happening in Africa in the first place. Any policies that that is made should be up to them, right? I think it's an individual country's decision to do whatever that they want to do, you know, policy-wise, right? So I think like all this imposing sanctions and all this extra stuff makes no sense because if we really want to start imposing sanctions, every single American president should have a sanction on them because of all the stuff that they've been doing around the world, right? So it's like, you can't just pick and choose when you want to decide to do something because you feel like, oh, it's not going to work out for me if X, Y, and Z happens, you know what I mean? So I don't know, for me, that's that's the importance of it. Um, I think it's like getting closer to, you know, to, to liberation, right? I think 
people are starting to see, right? So it's, right now it's kind of like, you know, God forbid for, let, let's say, you know, for Nigeria, it doesn't work out. There's going to be somebody else that's right now inspired by what's happening. You know, Mali kicked it off and everybody else is starting to trickle down, right? Because now it's like kind of like a domino effect where there's this thing where it's like, yo, we have to, you know what I mean? We have to take what's ours back. Um, is it my turn now? <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, Luden is ready for the crazy talk. I do. Um, Ooh, hold on. Disclaimer. Disclaimer. People listening. Uh, Mo can be interesting. That's it. Uh, I just want to elaborate on what Amy said. Uh, everything he said, I agree with, except for the fact that um, we have gotten way closer to a point where everything is good in Africa. I think we have a long way to go sure. and I will elaborate on that um, as I speak. So to start, these coups that have been happening have been a result of the population uh, realizing both young and old. The issue in Africa up to recent years has been the fact that you have a uh, limited number of people that had access to information and know everything that's going on. They're Pan-Africanists, they're nationalists, whatever you want to call them. Like they, they're passionate, right? But the remaining population is oblivious to everything that's going on. They just focused on their village, their tribe, what's going on in their immediate surroundings. So the, the thought process that comes to their head is more of one to 10 years at most. They're not thinking of the future um, like 100 years or 200 years, which you should be thinking of when you're thinking of a nation. But over time, due to technology, we can see that people are receiving more information. People are connecting more. Information is flowing. Um, the sentiment of the Pan-African movement and all of these great leaders like um, Kamu Kuma that um, Amy mentioned, all of the knowledge that they bestowed on, upon us finally reached everybody, especially the older people, because they're the ones that were allowing all of this craziness happening. Coupled with the fact that Africa, the majority of the population is younger now, they're younger people and young people have access to everything and they're willing to, you know, we, they have like thick blood. They, they're willing to do anything to see the, to see better betterment of their of their countries. If not, they find ways to get out of the country, die along the way to get to Europe or whatever. But um, nowadays, people more and more people are realizing that that second option that I mentioned isn't the true option. The real option is to develop their countries. Because of this, we're seeing all of these coups happen. Now, when it comes to coups, in my belief. The sentiment is coming from the population, but the military is taking advantage of the situation to do the same things that they have done over the past hundred years. Whenever they see the population is willing for a new leader to come in play, they go in, kill the original leader, which hasn't happened actually during these few coups. The leaders haven't been killed, which is really good. Um, they need to go through the court systems and be judged by the, you know, by the courts in order to show that the courts do function and people can use them. That's another 
issue in Africa. We don't have proper rule or regulation. And like a system needs to be created, an image needs to be created. And this is one way of creating that, right? So to get back to what I was saying earlier, you have all of these military leaders taking advantage of the situation. Now, what we need to wait on uh, to see whether or not this is a positive thing for the population in the countries um, is the day that these leaders uh, get to a point where they stabilize the situation to a point where a civilian leader could come in, somebody that the population chooses, not somebody in the background that either African um, military leaders puppeteer into leadership or European leaders find another way to insert another one of their puppets um, into the fold, right? That, when, when I see that, that's when, I'll, that's when I'll be relieved and be like, oh, okay, now I'm starting to see progress, but I haven't seen that. All I've seen is just buff guys with guns showing up, taking over power, not killing the leader, which is a good first step, but not abdicating um, rule they just saying that they're going to within a certain amount of time but usually they do that and then they push it 10 years 20 years next thing you know that person i've led for 20 30 40 years right moving aside from that i would like to say that the global community has a huge interest in africa they have resources within their own countries, but they don't want to exploit them. They want to exploit the easy to exploit, uh, exploitable places, people that can defend themselves, which is primarily Africa. So they're not just going to sit back and wait for things to function or things to work out. What Luda mentioned before, this idea of like, we, uh, we're not in the 1960s, da 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 all of that, like the reason why a lot of African countries got independence to start with isn't because that they had the power to fight back the Europeans and get their power back or they were willing to do it. It's because Europeans started seeing the sentiment of, of um, globally of people wanting to fight for their, for, for, their, um, for their liberation. And what they did was rather than allowing that phase to arrive with like total eradication of uh, colonialism would end they just let things go to a certain extent and basically governed in the background that's what allowed France to set up with all of these African countries a system of the CEFA where basically a 50, you have to give them 100% of your of your resources of your wealth right and like 50% of that they automatically own and the remaining, you have to basically ask for a loan and they will only give you up to 30%, if I'm not mistaken, uh, out of the remaining. You know how crazy that is? Uh, your own resources, you have to beg somebody else that's been effing you over for more than 400 years to give you 30% of the remaining. And you already know they're already eating the, the first 50%. And then on top of that, you're not allowed to work with any other nation, any other country outside of the ones that the, that that France allows you to 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 deal with. That's crazy. Nobody in their right mind would accept a deal like that. Think about you right now. You go to a school, you graduate from the school, and the school tells you in order for you to get a diploma from us, 
even though you put in the, the, the blood, sweat and tears to get that diploma in order for you to get this diploma or once you get this diploma, whatever salary you make, we're going to take 50% of it for the rest of your life. Even your kids and their grandkids will have to do the same. And we're going to, in order for you to get uh, the remaining money or a certain percent of the money, you have to basically write a letter each year requesting a certain percentage and you cannot exceed 30%. Nobody would do that. Nobody would go to college. We would just find other ways to, to, to deal with our issues, right? And when it comes to aid, in my opinion, aid was just, was just created. The, the idea of aid, it was just created in order for uh, European countries and the Western world to try to like create this kind of positive image about themselves while sucking the life out of Africa. It isn't to help. The way that you help somebody isn't to feed them, it is to show them how they can feed themselves. And African countries already had the capabilities to do that to start with. They did not need Europeans for, for the first thousands and thousands of years before Europeans came into the, into the nation to, 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 to eradicate the countries and take over, right? Um, Speaking of that, like there are certain spots in Africa, um, the soil isn't barren, right? Like it, it's hard to 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 produce the goods that's needed in order to keep the population to survive. The only issue that Africa has is that the, the everything else that basically affects African countries has to do with transportation of goods. Because like the remaining of Africa, like 80% of Africa, you can, you can, you can uh, farm and do everything you want. You could get everything you want out of the soil, right? Yeah, so you have certain portions, certain villages that would be some of where I'm from, like my villages and stuff. Like when you, when you, when you plant a, a, a tree within a year or two, it will be a huge, a huge tree because this, the soil is really good. But the issue is like, creating a system, creating roads, modes of transportation that can get that food from a place that doesn't need all that food to a place like in places like Ethiopia where they try to like, you know, show an image of a dying kid um, that didn't have food for the past five days or like that. You guys have seen those videos. Um, that's the main issue of African countries, to be honest is the fact that we can't transport, we can't support each other, We're, the system isn't set in place and the global community doesn't allow us to do that. And one of the ways to do that is for countries to realize that they're not enemies or they're not supposed to treat each other like shit, they're supposed to work together and build these things. Whomever is not capable of doing something, the other side helps out. And we're seeing a little bit of that, but some of it is fueled by European countries like France. Like ECOWAS, I'm starting not to trust them um, because of the fact that when Niger did they coup, these guys are trying to regurgitate what Europe was saying, what European countries are saying, going, claiming that they're going to go in there and reinstate a, a, a leader that wasn't good enough to start with. You know what I mean? I thought Amy was pessimistic. <laughs> It's hard not to be pessimistic when it comes to Africa, man. Listen, we've been we've been left over for too long. I I understand. I 
I only say that because Amy and I were in a huge argument. I think Benny was a part of that argument and Malik too. A couple of episodes back, can't mm-hmm. remember which one was it. It was literally like back to back argument. We were like, no, we can do this. And Amy is like, huh? I don't think so. Not happening. So it just yeah, brought it, me back to that. Yeah, it's more it's more realistic, right? I think I think it is. I, I think everything Mo said is very accurate, right? I think that's the realistic side of it. Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't think a change of that magnitude is something that is gonna happen, you know, with a snap of a finger, right? Like there are so many other elements to it that needs to be straightened out and done. And right now we just gotta, you know, hope and pray at least one of these countries kind of gets it, gets it going in the right direction. So at least everybody else could kind of have an idea of what what to follow. Cause you know, you, you look at uh, the Cameroonian president, <laughs> you know, if, if you want to talk about terrible presidents, that's, that's one of the worst presidents we have um, right now. I'm trying to think about how, how long has he been in office? 41 years he's been in office. Mm. What I mean, and, and honestly, uh, Equatorial Guinea, I think their president has been there for like 44 years, actually. It's just things like that. Like, I think you look at it like this, right? If if the Western, the Western world, right, they love to impose these sanctions, right, on on any other like regulation and stuff like that that they don't like. In their countries, like let's say America, right? No president is gonna be a president for for 40 something years. But <laughs> why why isn't there there, there is a sanction for these other presidents that are in power right now and all these African countries that have been there for like 40 plus years. Clearly, they're working for them, right? Like, it's the only way it makes sense. As soon as like, they get overthrown, now it becomes the issue and now they want to use sanctions. Now they have all these other things where it's like, no, please return back to, to the democratic democracy way. Like, bro, all of that does not make sense. You know what I mean? And again, I keep emphasizing, like, leave each country to make its own decisions. How can another another foreign country, another foreign government try to make decisions for a group of people who they don't even like, you don't even live there to begin with. You don't know what they're going through. You don't know, you know what I'm saying? Like all that stuff makes no sense, you know? And like Muhammad said, ECOWAS, so don't get me started on them either. <laughs> all that stuff, bro. All that stuff is nonsense. All that stuff is nonsense. Bro. They Not, broke my heart, bro. Nonsense. Ecowise broke my heart, bro. Nonsense. I, when I first heard of it, I was so excited. Because, like, the, the premise and the idea is... Makes, yeah, it's good. Approach is the right. approach that we should be taking, man. Right. But then, lo and behold, it turns out French is the one babysitting these guys into this process. Right. You don't want a colonizer to dictate the way you approach progress. Because exactly. they're, just, they're just looking for new ways to enslave you like they're just looking for new ways to to use you and abuse you like how can these leaders be idiots bro i don't understand our leaders man they're not leaders they're puppets bro if you dangle money you know what i mean in front of them it's over mm-hmm. yeah. and, and like the, the two countries i've feel very sad saying this, but the two countries in West Africa that you really can't trust is Senegal and Ivory Coast, bro. 
whatever they get involved in, they're doing it for friends. Like, that's just a fact. And I'm from Senegal. And I like the population there. I like everything there. And yeah. the leader, uh, the leaders currently within the country, he's Fulani, right? So, mm-hmm. like, tribally, I'm supposed to be rooting for him. But yeah. it's just puppets, bro. They, they, they all prop puppets. Like, it's sad that I'm, we have to have leaders like that. You have to throw in Nigeria, too. <laughs> oh, man. But Nigeria, like, Nigeria, to a certain extent, I can tell that they're doing it for their own interests. Like, when Nigeria that. does stuff, Nah, bro. Like Nigeria is. Here's the thing with Nigeria. No, I know. I'm agreeing with you, though. Oh, oh, sorry. Yeah, they (laughs) they're willing to f over. I didn't really hear you. I thought you were just. (laughs) No, I was trying to agree with you, bro. He keeps gonna come after me. Nah, he was in the zone. zone. Yeah, I'm in the zone, bro. I'm in the zone. You gotta let me speak, my guy. (laughs) I'm over here. I'm like, yeah, absolutely. Bo's like, no, hold on, no, you. I was like, yo, bro, I'm agreeing with you. Right. Right. So, like, Nigeria, you can tell the reason why they participated in ECOWAS is so they could easily, so it's so, like, Damgote Corporation could easily supply um, oil and, and all of these goods to Western countries. You get what I mean? It's more to, like, benefit their own economy. Like, Nigeria, to a certain extent, from the, from the get-go, you can tell Nigeria when they approach stuff, like, their leaders understand a certain level of business. You know what I mean? They don't. They don't always. They rarely do bad business. Even when they deal with the Chinese, like they get something out of it. Like whatever deals you see them do, you can you can see that they get something out of it. It isn't like a Kenya when Kenya got in and now China Ooh, owns like bro. all of their major, bro. all of their major, you know, <laughs> things. You know bro. what I mean? It isn't. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm not trying to start any problems. No, 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 no. That trying to use ex- examples. No, no, we've talked about this. That's why we've talked exactly about this. Yeah, we had a guest from Kenya. Same uh-huh. example about how um he got on got on a train, and uh-huh. have, instead of having like the Kenyan flag, right, they have the Chinese Chinese flag. Yeah, yeah. bro. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, bro. And yeah. you know, I was gonna say like, I mean, and. And this is the same thing that, you know, not to diverge or anything, but to like kind of relate to people that are living in the West, because you see the same thing happening in in areas like Puerto Rico and Hawaii, where it's just like they they kind of use up what they can use up from them and then kind of say kind of the the oh, hey, like, you know, like you know, uh, what's, what's that saying? It's like, um, if I just keep my head down, I'll get my, uh, my table food or something like that. Um, I forget what the saying is or something like that. And, you know, they, they really try that with like, with Hawaii and with, um, Puerto Rico, where it's just like, you see like all these different things are happening over there where like, there is a huge monopoly in terms of elect, uh, electrical need. There is like all these like developers that are coming from outside from, excuse me, um, from the U.S. that are coming in to, you know, all these like multimillionaires to like buy real estate and buy land that belongs to the public, but then they do whatever they want to do and stuff like that. And so it's like you have these same people that are helping, quote unquote, I'm going to say, um, all these uh, different countries in Africa. But then at the same time, a lot of these, um, a lot of these same people are people that are going to these other third world developing countries um, and kind of like buying real estate 
taking up pub, like public, like actual public land that they legally cannot buy, that they are buying. And so it's like they're doing that in one case and trying they're like try like what how Mo, Mo was saying, just trying to suck whatever uh, suck what out, suck whatever they can in terms of money, power and finance. And it's just it. It's so upsetting to see and it's so frustrating to see. Yeah, no, I think this is all part of like, you know, similar issues that um, I think everybody's kind of dealing with globally with the <laughs> with the Western world. But I guess we could jump in a little bit into my second question. So for for these six countries, right, and their uh, current uh, their current leaders that they've had after the coup, how long do you guys think that these leaders will stay in place? I think out of out of the six, I think Burkina Faso um, stays stays the longest. Why why do you say that? Why do you say Burkina Faso? Um I again I think this is like personal, but I am I'm a big fan of um uh what was his name? Captain uh Ibrahim. I'm a big fan of him. I think he has a good head on his shoulders. I think even with the kind of like military background, I think he's he's very civilian oriented. I think and he's very Africa first kind of approach. And ultimately, just he doesn't care about the West, and he's he's aligning himself very well with people, right? Like you've seen him align himself with Korea, align himself with Russia. So like he's doing things that makes that makes sense in the long run, and that's why I feel like out of the current countries right now that we're talking about, I think he's gonna last long. I think he has something he has something that other countries are gonna take from. You know, and they're kind of kind of follow suit. Yeah, I would say based on what you just said, he should just become a civilian, get out of the military, take a year or two, and then come back into politics. You know that that's that's one way to 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 get to take that stigma and remove himself from the optics of being a military leader. There are ways to get out of it, even though you're a military leader. You're still a citizen of the country, right? So, um, yeah, but like the uh, the idea of him sitting there too long as a military leader, it, it's not gonna it's not gonna vote well. Like, you know, like it, it's gonna look like you got the same person with the power to kill, and they are sitting on the other end advocating for the population, like. It's weird like that. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. I I'm, I have a little fear of military people that go around killing people. But uh, just to answer your question, I would say it all depends on the country itself cause, uh, and the way that the international community try to affect the country. Like uh, Niger, France... Unless, like, you go to war with them, they're not going to leave Niger alone. Niger is a strategic uh, location for them. Like, they need to sit there in order to prevent, you know, African countries and Arabian countries from, you know, their idea of uh, um, terrorism and stuff in that nature. So, like, that's that's like the U.S. and Israel. Like, they're not going to leave Israel and they'll continue funding Israel because Israel is a strategic location for them. Uh, Niger is the same um, when it comes to that for France. 
Um, so they're not going to let that go. So Niger, I would say, might take the longest because as soon as they try to go civilian route, France is going to come in and mess up everything. And if, even if they don't, France is going to find a way to create a, a war. I think a war is going to start between France and Niger and causing other African countries to get involved um, the way things are going. Even the moves that, that France is making, like not allowing their... Um, like somebody that's vulnerable, that's their citizen, uh, their ambassador, not allowing them to leave Niger just so they they can uh, add disclaimers out there that the government that exists right now is not legit. People can believe that even if that guy wasn't there. But as I mentioned before, we're trying to use that guy as a martyr. Even if he doesn't die, like if those guys try to go get him and kick him out of the country, they will try to use that as justification to get the U.S. and other places to get involved and do what they did to Libya, to Tunisia. So that's that's the one that I'm most pessimistic about. But as I mentioned before, it depends on the country, the the population, the state of the population, and how the international community is interacting with them. And the African Union and ECOWAS, those, you know, like how people outside of the country is is uh, approaching or impacting um, the country. I mean, one thing I will say, Mo and me have had many strong disagreements in the past. We both went to the same college, just, say, uh, just like with Amy. And um, a lot of times we had a very uh, difference of opinions if putting it very lightly um and i think i think this might be one of the very few times where i might say i kind of kind of agree with mo um i am more on the optimistic side of things where things will work out to all those points i mean again like it it also does depend and so it's like i think this can be like the start or a restart of kind of establishing kind of like what is the expectation of what africa wants and what you know, these country want um, in terms of a political perspective and uh, economic perspective. Um, and, you know, granted, it's, it's not going to be an overnight thing. You know, there might be some more needs in one country than others, you know. And, you know, that's where a little bit of working with other countries within Africa uh, can kind of help out. I don't know. I think I'm looking at it. I can see what Mo was saying. And I see what you were saying, Amy, but I think I also can kind of look at this kind of like as a lens to kind of have an opportunity to restart and do something new or to re, not reinvent the wheel, but kind of do something different with the wheel, if that makes sense. It makes total sense, man. So I, I guess following off of that, do you guys, or I guess, not do you guys think, but I've read this question a lot of places and the question is can africa survive without the west i'm interested <laughs> to see what you say to that um like i would Bro. Read, i would read i would read on um <laughs> on on twitter right like because obviously you see all these news right of like oh the coups happened in this that and the third and you know in the comments is always like oh but can they actually survive you know without without the west so, I mean, me, it's a, it's a simple, it's a simple answer, right? I think it's a very simple answer. 100% can survive. You know what I mean? I think, again, 
uh, kind of going back to what Mo said before, I think the West have made it hard or made it seem like they can't survive without them. Just making things extra difficult, like, like again, like roads, right? Not being able to trade with neighboring countries that are in need of certain things, right? So what are your thoughts? I totally agree with Amy. We never needed Europe to survive. We existed prior to Europe even coming into existence and we can exist after. What we need to do is create the infrastructure to make sure that nobody in Africa is left behind. And that's building roads, building more airports, finding ways to figure out how to build our own planes and not have to like rely on Boeing, all these big companies that will find it, find a way to charge us an arm and a leg um, just to get a simple plane while gifting those things to countries that they're friendly with. You get what I mean? Making it impossible for us to survive and be able to transport goods and people from one place to, to another. And we are able to do that. And at this point, the fact that China came into the fray, I know China, uh, if you give them a chance, they will take advantage of you. But if you negotiate properly with them, what I have seen is that you will get something good out of them. But if you go in as an idiot, don't know what you're doing, they will take advantage. they just business-oriented, right? They know what their goals are, mm-hmm. and they go out there and try to achieve them. That's mm-hmm. the same thing that Africa needs to do. We need to look at our own interests, get the best uh, the best, uh, how do you call it, deal out of whatever conversation we, uh, out of whatever uh, project or uh, deal that, that's on the table. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, we have a few leaders in Africa that are capable of doing that. We have a few businessmen in Africa that knows how to do that. They need to teach each other, allow each other the, 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 the fortitude to make these things happen because a lot of times it isn't even the fact that Africans are, are capable of, of negotiating or don't have the skills or the power or, or, the, or the wealth to make things happen. Is that the government that's set in place is set there to sabotage everything. And those people are put in place. They, they find the most paranoid, most ignorant person to lead a country. And then once that person is, a, is in power, what that person does is do the most ignorant and dumbest things possible cause causing the, the country 10 20 years mm-hmm. uh, of his uh, of of his growth you know what i mean that's what constantly happens over and over and over and over again and another thing that we can do is as as uh, leaders in africa need to learn to build off of each other when one leader comes in create something sets a project that's what happens in the u.s a lot of things that you see happen within presidential term usually doesn't isn't something that was created or built during that presidential term it was the president prior to that person that that set everything up and then the president the new president signs it off and allows it to move forward and that's something that as african leaders african leaders can do they need to learn to do they need to allow and stop be, being petty to allow projects that were set in place prior to them to move forward. It will make them look good and the president prior to them look good. For me, the whole aspect of saying like, hey, is, you know, can it survive by itself? I mean, yeah, Africa, the continent was doing fine by itself. Like not to get too in the weeds of the details. I mean, like if you want to talk about like, you know, the Native Americans that were living in, in the United States, 
they were doing fine before uh some other involvement came in you know i think is the the this superiority complex that is just like oh no you're struggling i, I i'm gonna forcefully help you and i think it is just because of the different perspective where this person or that person grew up different from you from the resources from the availability because it, it does not equate to what you had does not necessarily mean that they're of less than or had less you know are the people that have different uh, less resources because of their financial situation political situation and all that kind of stuff absolutely that doesn't take away that but it doesn't mean that you can just kind of go in and then kind of impose yourself to say that hey like you know i see that you're struggling and i see that you're you know you're going through all this so like let let let, let me help you let me impose my views my beliefs my everything upon you and then you're just basically going to be a copycat of me but this is all just to say that you know it can most definitely stand us on own two legs we've talked about a lot of the resources and just one side of the continent we haven't even gone to all the other different sides of the continents and so you can only imagine what of all the different resources that are available all the different people have to offer and everything like that but because you're because you look different because you have different resources and all these different stuff you know you must you must be struggling you must you know you must be doing so bad like you know like here you go like here's all the money but in order for you to use all this money you need to do some stuff for us and it's just slow. It's almost like, forgive me for saying this, but it's almost like dealing with the devil is just basically what it is. So I think with that in mind, what does the future of Africa look like? I don't know, Amy. What does it look like? Because I know we had a conversation about this in season one <laughs> and almost caused issues. Infinite potential, man. Infinite. Africa is the future. Like, it's, it's crazy if you really think about it. Africa has been forced to stay still while the rest of the, the world run a thousand miles an hour, right? Mm -hmm. So the world has reached, like, it's, it, the advancement of the world right now compared to certain African countries is, like, you could say 60 to 70, maybe 100 years advanced. Imagine if we were to start right now and take all that advancement because the information is available and start applying it now and then building off of that. Because knowledge grows, right? Information changes and it grows. Just imagine that. Like we, the, the, our starting point is like we have an open canvas. Like anything can happen. We can paint anything on that canvas. Like literally, like if, if the world were, were to give us the space and support us the way that they would support a proper ally, because African countries, even though we can isolate ourselves and do things ourselves, we we are also part of the global community. We need to be invited and and collaborate with people and people and negotiate with people in good faith terms and and not being taken advantage of. The problem is right now any 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 way we try to go, we get taken advantage of, and we're not allowed to take advantage. Right, so I would say we have infinite potential. We could do whatever, like the youth is in Africa, the knowledge, like some of the most smartest people globally is in Africa, like the U.S., the most educated group within the U.S. is Nigerian Americans, right? So that just shows that we're not stupid. We're quite capable. We have the resources. 
we are at a stage where we have a a a a a, a, um, a, a clear canvas that we can put anything we want on it. You know, we don't have to demo anything. We don't have to read adjust designs. We don't have to think complexly in in order like to remove and replace. We could just do right. So the 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 amount of effort needed isn't that much. People just need to allow us and give us the space to to grow, and so we can help the global community grow as well. I'm you know, I just I just want to say, you know, <laughs> Muhammad Muhammad and I used to argue a lot because he used to be very pessimistic. But this pos this very optimistic Muhammad that I'm hearing right now, I'm driving with it. I'm going for it. This, this has always been me. Amy knows. Mm. It's just the conversations that we had required me to be more pessimistic. Uh, mm, yeah. Mo. <laughs> yeah. No. Um. Yeah. I think. Yeah. I think along along the lines of what Mo was saying. Um. I think the future is bright. I think it's a long road, but I I have I have a lot of ex expectations for for Africa. You know what I mean? The optimism. I mean, bro, it's, uh, I've always had the same same expectations. I've always said it's going to be a long road. You know, I'm, I'm gonna pull the, uh, yeah. the receipts. I'm gonna pull the receipts. Luden, you can't. Luden is mixing up topics, man. There are certain topics, of course, we're quite yeah, pessimistic bro. on. Like yeah, I mean, when it comes whoa, to whoa, Africa, whoa, whoa, whoa. hold on, hold on. This is accusation. Man. Eperte, hold on. I'm not now I'm speaking Spanish because we're not just gonna come over here and blame me because Amy's already tried that like a couple of times in the episode and come at me. So like I'm not trying to change subjects. I was just trying to say like there was a conversation about this that we had, yeah. particularly with Amy, and Amy was very on the pessimistic side of things. Right, because I said where... it was gonna take long. And you guys are like oh, yeah, you will take long right now, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, right. but just because it's going to take long doesn't mean it's not going to happen like there is a light at the end of the tunnel there will be change it will be different and it will be for the best but I was pointing out oh, gonna, yeah um, we hope so yeah. yeah right but I'm just I, I, you, you oh, know what so, whatever oh, I was just saying <laughs> whatever <laughs> there we agree yeah. before uh, Bro, you should have seen it. Before it was three against one. I said it's gonna take long on, man. I'm a pessimist. I'm like, bro, this is just the reality of it. It's gonna take bro, nah. I'm gonna need I'm gonna need to pull the receipts because I, I wish Benny was here because Wait. she would have put you in your place. Nah, Benny, Benny be talking like you too, bro. Um, yeah, fully agree with what Mo said and what Luna was saying, light at the end of the tunnel. Definitely a long road. Uh, but I think we're very capable and there's high expectations. But yeah, I think um, in terms of, uh, I guess, the diaspora and them helping um, in terms of like spreading information, I think accurate information instead of misinformation, because I'm sure there's going to be somebody out there thinking of like ways to help, you know, it doesn't have to be like, you know, you physically going, you know, and, and joining the army. Uh, so I, I don't know if there's other suggestions just in case, you know, because I'm sure that's going to cross I mean, it's just kind of like, no, like knowing your, like knowing your history from mm -hmm. like individual level. Because mm. Mo, I don't know if you know this. So I took, and uh, I was telling Amy about this a couple of episodes ago where, you know, I found out 
and you know i would i would think you know being dominican puerto rican that i was going to come out you know more towards my taino side of things where it really wasn't where it was like i'm obviously you know being hispanic you know you come from both african descent and from european descent you know when they came over here conquistadores all that kind of mobile jumbo all right. But, um, you know, coming to realize that, like, you know, a huge there is like a huge percentage of, you know, of African descent on, um you know, my kind of side where it's just it comes from like from Congo. And so, like, I didn't know that. So, Mo, I, I don't know if I told you about this or I don't know if you heard about that. So, like, just kind of like. No, knowing you- but I assumed you had a lot of black in I mean, no, yeah, for sure, but like, you know, it's like one thing, one thing you look like it, and it's another thing knowing about it. You know what I mean? Like, all right, cool, look black, but like, do do you know your history? Because it's like, because because one thing that it's like very prominent in like in the U.S. is if you are a Black American, your parents do like from the very get go from your from you being a kid, they teach you your history. This is this is what happened in our history. You know, this is what right. we do to preserve it. And this is how we do to protect it and to preserve it and move forward. And it's like, it, it's right. it's almost like a rite of passage, essentially, when it comes to being like, you know, as a, as a Latino, you know, it's not something that your, your rite of passage is almost like through practice about like, you know, through family and stuff like that, you know, and the same thing is done with like, you know, with a lot of uh, Black Americans and stuff like that, where, you know, they taught from a very young age, like, you know, you might be treated, you might be treated differently or like you know this is this is our history this is what our family went through this is our family history and stuff like that and right. i think just knowing your knowing your history and knowing your heritage and then knowing you know who you are where you come from and not being in denial of it because we can get into mm-hmm. our conversation but that's a whole separate conversation for another day right like just knowing and understanding that and realizing that and being like all right cool I, this is part of my heritage. This is part of who I am as an individual. What can I do to help push things forward? Whether it's talking about it, cor- uh, correcting, you know, behavior or, you know, educating myself. All, all of that helps in some kind of way, capacity, shape or way or form. That's what I would say. No, you're right. It, it, it helps a lot, it, especially when you're young. Man. You know, that brain is developing. It, it helps a lot. It helps with your um the way that you see yourself you know um it, it helps you build character um so it's good it's good that you learned that amy is your cousin <laughs> <laughs> oh my god <laughs> bro i had told him i said welcome home <laughs> like bro i would have said the same thing if you said senegal right? i would i would say actually hold on right. let me let me hold on let me pull it up because i think i think there was yeah. senegal there too hold on i gotta i gotta put it up bear yeah, with me for bro, a moment but, but i always you know i always tell um dominicans and haitians though you know like your lineage comes from congo right yes so after after congo my second highest is senegal <laughs> <laughs> Welcome home, man. I'll teach you some wallop soon, all right? Um, Amy, I'm still waiting for my fufu. Well, you still have, haven't made yo, it. Yo, hey, have you ever tried jollof fries? You gotta try jollof fries now, man. Dominicans have that. We uh, we call it local. Oh, right. It's basically the same right. thing. It's the exact same thing. Just not not from Senegal, bro. Not yeah, the ones made yeah, in Senegal. Right. That stuff really, is different. That is, it hits different, bro. Yeah, that's a whole different. Right, I'm gonna I'm gonna take you up on that. Hopefully, you can keep your word because Amy has has yet to make me any food, and you know he said this. Oh, I don't know how to make food, but I can take you to a restaurant. <laughs> that makes I, it. I'll take that. 
you know, because Amy hasn't fulfilled his promises. So, you know, empty yeah, promises. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be busy, bro. I'll be busy. Amy, mm-hmm. Amy, you got to take care of your cousin, bro. <laughs> 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 oh, that's family man. right there. Uh, yes, sir. But no, you know, I think for the most part, we kind of uh, were able to give a brief rundown of what it is that is happening right now in the in the quote unquote cool belt of Africa, and also Gabon. Um, kind of gave our opinions and thoughts on what the future would look like, our thoughts on the current situations, and um. And on the crazy question of uh, does Africa need the West? Never. <laughs> um, so always remember to follow us on our social and follow us on our website. Our Instagram is official underscore next stop Africa. Twitter or X, however you want to call it nowadays, is underscore <laughs> next stop Africa. And then our website is always next stop Africa.net. So you can always tune in to each episode that is on there. Uh, look in ways that how you can kind of join in if you wanted to be part and you know be a guest on this episode you know everything is on our website so feel free to check that out and uh with that always remember five stars nothing less because if you give us anything less we don't want it so you know the rest <laughs> that's a bar we've reached my favorite part of each episode um song of the day again i'm a big believer that you know music is uh, the best way to to communicate with everyone from different backgrounds. So, Mo, uh, you've done this before. Uh, we ask, you know, each guest to pick a song that they're currently listening to or something that they like, whatever it is. Only request <laughs> that I always make is that it's from your respective country. Uh, if it's not, it's cool. It's no big deal. But, you know, I try to make the listeners as diverse as possible i don't have a song from my respective country i don't listen to songs from there um but i do have a nigerian song that i listen to okay so uh song of the day today is not going to come from senegal uh it's coming from nigeria Nigeria. What is the song of the day? Um, it's Nagozi by Crayon and Ira Star. Like it a lot. Again, Mo, thank you so much, bro, for pulling up and having this conversation. There was two people I had in mind for this particular episode. It was you and Robbie. So I'm glad at least one of the two could show up. Shout out, Robbie. I know you're busy. So, you know. But yeah, uh, definitely, bro, you know, come back anytime, you know, you feel like you're up to it again. Um, you know, you bless the fans that have been hacking me for a very long time to have you back on here. So, so yeah, so they'll be pleasantly surprised and happy. Make sure you guys tune in into our next episode. Until next time, though. Peace.